0: Hello everyone, welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host Bobby Wilson Glad to be back on this evening. Hope everybody's doing well Glad to be back on with my good buddy Pete Callen as we're going to talk UConn Husky football After taking a week off from the Super Bowl last week, we're excited to be back. Pete glad to have you
1: Glad to be back. Hello Husky Nation Hope you guys are Ready for another great show. So, we're ready to jump into some topics. So, talk about some blue and white football. Let's go get it.
0: Yes, sir. We got a, like you said, we got some fun stuff to talk about. We got a couple former players. Well, I shouldn't say a couple, a handful of former players with some uh, opportunities at the professional level that we're going to be discussing. Obviously, we have to talk about the newly uh, scheduled. Uh, home and away with Delaware. I know you're fired up to talk about that, Pete. And triggers
1: p- triggers some bad memories, but we, we can go on.
0: Let's go ahead. I I, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to get to that part. We're gonna save that for last, but <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Then of course we we have to start off with <clears throat> the hiring of defensive coordinator Matt Brock coming in from Mississippi State. Uh, Coach Brock served as the defensive coordinator there last season. Then, of course, their coaching staff changed over. Uh, he brings he's he's bringing a r- really really f- good intense approach. His defense last year for the Bulldogs was pretty darn stout, if you consider how bad their offense was. Honestly. The Bulldogs ranked 6th in the SEC in total defense last year at 350.6 yards per game. 5th in passing defense at 204.7. They featured the top two tacklers in the SEC in linebackers. Nathaniel Watson had 137. He's going to be an NFL draft pick this year. And then Jet Johnson had 130. Uh, Pretty impressive uh, numbers that he put up there uh, during that time. Prior to his stint at Mississippi State, he spent two years at Washington State as a special teams coordinator, outside linebackers coach, Uh, spent a good amount of time with uh, the late Mike Leach. Uh, Then he had the same role as a special teams coordinator, linebackers coach at Bowling Green in 2016-2017. He was a nominee for the Broyles Award, giving to the top, top assistant coach in the country for his special teams units while he was there. Ranked among the nation's top twenty in punting average, he was four. They were fourth kick return defense. They were third punt return defense. They were twentieth. So he he had some pretty amazing statistics during his time there at Bowling Green. Also spent uh, three seasons at Texas Tech, where he served as a defensive quality control coach, as well as stints coaching the defensive line and linebackers. And then two seasons he spent at his alma mater, Baker University. Um, In his early years in the coaching profession, as a graduate assistant, oversaw the team's linebackers, assistant, uh, he was also helping uh, the defensive coordinator on game days in the booth, had a good playing career there at Baker University, tallied 277 career tackles, seven interceptions, was a two-time academic All-American during his playing career. So, I mean, we're getting a guy here who was a successful player at the level that he played on and has done an amazing job during his time, his, I should say, short time, honestly, as an assistant coach, anytime you can be nominated for the Broyles award, you're doing something right. And then, like I said, last year specifically looking at his defense at Mississippi state and with the national coverage, I do, I've I've been able to talk to some Mississippi state people and they've had some really good things to say about him Uh, I I guess, Pete, I'd like to hear your thoughts, your initial thoughts on uh, Coach Brock.
1: Well, it appears we've added on staff a very well-rounded coach um, who's coached some of what we would call the more hardcore players on a roster. Um, Anytime you have to coach special teams, and it's a challenge in itself because you're you're getting a bunch of guys – a lot of them haven't, are not, are not on the starting roster. You got to convince him to play well for a few plays a game, and he seemed to do that with excellence everywhere he went. So, um, be able to translate that to, you know, calling defenses for the one year he did, and to have two 100 plus tackle individuals on his on his roster is uh, really impressive. Um, I think what's even more impressive is the fact that he got the job with a coach that was utilizing a different uh, philosophy on defense uh, with a four-man front, and he's very open to um, you know hiring Brock to utilize him and utilize the three-three-five. So it's going to be a very, very interesting transition on defense um but it sounds like they have a guy that can coach it can teach it and hopefully it'll translate into a more effective defense next year
0: absolutely Uh, i'd love to hear your thoughts on the 3-3-5 approach i know that's not something that a lot of husky fans would uh, be might not be used to so it's it's gonna be different that's for sure but we have the pieces. You and I were kind of breaking this down a little bit before we got on air um, to 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 fit in place here.
1: Well, contrary to what you just said, Husky fans are familiar with it. In fact, unfortunately, it was the base defense for that historically bad defense we had a few years back with Edsel. Um, the difference is I think this year you have some pieces to to plug in and utilize and make it much more effective than that version. Um, and it seems that, again, we got a guy that can that can call it, knows how to blitz out of it. That's, that's the big thing you have to know how to do, learn how to blitz out of it, know how to, you know, plug up run lanes when, you know, offense is trying to run the ball on you, um, as well as play it in the pass. And, you know, from what Coach Brock said about how he – utilizes a defense he basically is a package based 335 which means it's it's versatile in other words so you know he he can have packages where he can you utilize four defensive linemen um and go to the things that we utilize in the past few years to play defense or you know he can switch to more of, of a three 3-5 look with you know, multiple linebackers and or defensive backs to create different blitz looks and pressures off of you know protections and different fronts that you might see in game planning. So it appears to be a very versatile uh, defense, uh, one that can match a lot of offensive systems. I always like the 3-5 because of that versatility. The one thing you do need to do in that defense is tackle because there's always going to be someone – uh, left unblocked, open one-on-one on the ball carrier, and you have to tackle in that defense. Otherwise, it's not going to be great.
0: Absolutely. And <clears throat> as you and I have discussed, and, and many others as well, we do know that's an area we struggled with last season.
1: Well, that's. Gonna, I'm pretty sure with Coach Brock and Coach Moore, it's going to be probably the number one emphasis in spring uh, moving into next year, um, they have to find a way to be more effective. Um, and that's just the bottom line. If they want to be an elite defense or they want to be a uh, functional defense, they have to tackle. And everybody that was culpable in not performing that task last year, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a pretty short leash, especially with the new coordinator coming in. Uh, he doesn't look like he's a guy that's going to play around much with guys that don't produce either you're going to be on that field doing what you have to do to tackle or he's going to find people to replace you bottom line which is what I think should happen um, we're not dealing with puppy dogs anymore on the defense or you know anywhere on the roster we're trying to be in a, you know, a functional upper level division one program and the players got to make the decision to produce and this is the time of the, of the year to, you know, to train your body and Train your mind and get yourself ready.
0: Absolutely. What What do you think is the most important position in that defensive alignment?
1: Well, according to, to Coach Brock again, the way he runs it, he pointed out two particular positions that are most important to him. He said it was the middle safety or, you know, possibly the free safety and the Sam linebacker. And the reason why he pointed out those two. Positions were, in his words, they offer uh, multiple skill sets to help the defense run efficiently. So I'm guessing with the Sam linebacker spot, it's going to be uh, a pass rushing linebacker as well as a, a dropping, a zone dropping linebacker. Much the way, you know, uh, Roy Randall was used a couple years ago. Um, and with the free safety, I'm assuming that's a guy that is not only a middle safety and a deep zone player, but one that can come down and be an extra nickel defender or slot defender, uh, play man-to-man on a slot receiver, and do so effectively. So, will um, be interesting to see who stands out, who rises up to fulfill those roles on that defense.
0: Absolutely. and I know we've talked about this a good amount, but how important do you feel it is hiring a defensive coordinator now, especially with someone with the experience like Coach Brock?
1: Well, uh, he said it in his own press conference, and we kind of said it in previous shows, it's just going to free up uh, Coach Moore to be more of the head coach he needs to be in today's world of college football. Um, he has to free himself up to be more of that CEO, that managerial type figurehead uh, to make sure everything, all the operations are running. And if, you know, you have someone that's proven themselves at the highest level of college football, like Coach Brock has in the SEC, I think it adds a lot of peace of mind to Coach Moore to know that, you know, he's, he's placing what he probably considers his baby, which is a defense, into some trusted hands and someone that can uh, put them in a position to succeed and, and run that part of the, of the team well.
0: What do you expect to see from this defense next season?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think ideally what they like to see is one that attacks the, uh, the offense, one that can match up against any system, the personnel that they have, um, and create pressure, particularly on the quarterback and passing down, be able to stop the run, um, and create disadvantageous situations for the offense uh, to operate uh, on a consistent basis. You know, when you can do that uh, as a defense, uh, you really place things in your favor, and that's probably what his approach is going to be uh, in implementing his system for next fall.
0: How how big of an adjustment do you feel this this defense could be compared to what we've run in the like last season and during Morris' time here?
1: Well, it all depends on the play caller, really. Mm-hmm. Um and what his recognition is for the type of personnel he has. I mean, he even admitted, you know, himself in his press conference he he wants to play the best eleven put them in the best positions to six to succeed and which is a goal for all coaches, but he added to do what they do best. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a pretty fluid situation and what he does, you know, what he wants to come in and run. He may not have the personnel to consistently run it and he may switch to more of a four forty base front, you know, more consistently as the season goes on as the spring goes on. So, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a fluid situation. Uh, he's got to get a feel for the players. The players got to get a feel for what he wants to do, and um, just take it day by day. Um, it looks at that first glance that they might have the pieces to fit what he wants to run. I think a big, a big, big tell is going to be obviously on the defensive front. We have, we have guys on the defensive front. Um, Price Yates, um, you know. Passmore, Delmont, Gordine, uh, Jelani Stafford, you know, they've had experience in the past uh, playing uh, playing a 40-style front. So, you know, moving some guys that are used to being on the edge to, you know, being on the inside shoulder of a tackle or, you know, outside shoulder of a guard, being asked to play there while a linebacker takes their spot, on the opposite, you know, outside of them as being the edge rusher, it's going to be interesting to see if that works and if at all, you know, Coach Brock asks them to do that.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely, and the last question I'm going to ask you about the defense, Pete, would like from you personally, how, how, how would you as a go as a player, how, how would you uh, have fit or felt in this defensive scheme?
1: I would love it if Coach Brock's the kind of guy that loves to pressure offense. If he likes to blitz and bring heat, I know as a cover guy, it's going to bring opportunities to pick the ball off because it's going to hurry the quarterback to make decisions. So, um, you know, off of certain tendencies, I'm going to be able to, you know, predict where he throws, what depth what he likes to do when he gets rid of the ball in those situations and possibly create some turnover opportunities. You know, likewise, if, you know, you're one of the, you know, down safeties, you know, you're going to be one of those guys that's going to be, you know, coming at the quarterback. So, yeah, I don't like the three-three-five a lot. It reminds me of um, the defense I was recruited to play under with uh, Coach Spagnolo when we I came into UConn. You know, he hasn't changed in thirty-some odd years. He runs some of the same things that um, at the pro level he ran back then at UConn, and so I would be excited.
0: Absolutely, and, and Coach uh, Spagnolo has had uh, some success. We can just say,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he's ended up pretty good for himself. Let's put it that way. But again, I mean, the three-three-five, I like it because as an athlete. You challenged to do multiple things, so you know from an athletic standpoint, you challenge to cover, challenge to cover one on one, challenge to cover zone, you challenge to blitz, you challenge to tackle, tackle well, and tackle in one on one situations. And if you're a kind of guy that wants to round their game out like that and show out for NFL scouts that you can play, I mean it's the perfect system, mm-hmm. you know, to ball out in because you know you're going to show all your all your skill sets. Um, you're going to be asked to do so and execute them. So uh, I would like it.
0: Awesome. I, I love hearing that. And <clears throat> we'll we'll shift now to a handful of players now that are working to get to the next level. Uh, really good news here. Christian Haynes and Eric Watts get NFL Combine invites. Really happy to see that for both those guys. I mean, we, we know Christian Haynes is going to go second third round he's going to be a day two pick and and eric has really done well for himself as well And, and i think both of those guys are going to put on good showings at the nfl combine and really solidify their spots in the draft
1: as much flack as uconn football gets sometimes for quote poor products the one thing we always seem to do well is that when we get guys that go to the combine, they do really well. In fact, the last time we had a few guys at the combine, one set a world record in the broad jump. Um, we have guys that have ranked in the top, I guess, five all time in uh, in metrics, certain positions. Um, Byron Jones, who I mentioned, with the broad jump. I think uh, I want to say our wide receiver coach, Christian Moore, is in the top five or ten vertical jumps ever for wide receiver. I'm not mistaken. Hopefully, I'm not mistaken. But we have guys that produce and produce very well at the at the combine when they get that invite. I don't doubt that Christian Haynes and Eric Watts will do any less, um, and I won't be surprised if both of them increase their stock even more. You know, if you hear that Christian Haynes moves himself in the upper levels of the second round, or maybe even you know the top of the you know upper, perhaps but the you know bottom half of the first round, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Watts has the typical body frame the pros love. He's big, tall, has long arms. He showed he can translate speed to power very well against some of the elite tackles you know in the practices they had at the uh, at the uh, senior bowl and so now it's just a matter of, you know showing their athleticism and and see where that takes them but i think they're going to do well
0: absolutely and, and we know another player that we <clears throat> excuse me another player that we have that didn't get an invite jackson mitchell he's definitely done more than enough for himself from his playing career. Uh but we like we talked about in the last episode, his performance in the in the East West Shrine Bowl. And I'm really looking forward to see how he produces when it comes to uh um, the, the the draft day that we have at UConn coming up.
1: I think, you know, he's gonna have his opportunity with his pro day and I think he'll do well. Also, I mean, everybody at the East-West Shrine Game had nothing but complimentary things to say mm-hmm. about Jackson, about how he was the best linebacker on that team. And so, when you when they're saying that, um, that means a lot. And because and you're, you know, you're tracking the attention of peers, you're attracting the attention of, you know, coaches, pro coaches that, you know, have coached you for a week there so um, big kudos to him I mean, he's been nothing but a guy that's produced, has worked hard and has had the talent show, you know, in big, in, in big time games you know, he's produced and especially when he's had other players around him um, to play well so um, I think he'll go to an NFL roster or earn his way to an NFL roster and I think will turn heads. Um, Won't be surprised at all.
0: Absolutely. And Speaking of a couple other guys that have turned heads for the next level, uh, Kevin Sclercius announced that he is going to be participating in the CFL, the Canadian Football League Combine. He's been invited to that. That will take place March 18th through the 24th. Kevin's is, of course, from Canada, so he he fits exactly what uh, they look for in that league being a homegrown product, um, and I, I think he could do some really good things at that level.
1: Well, he's one of 71 prospects that have been invited to the CFL Combine, which will be held March 19th through the 24th. He's one of 60 of the top Canadian players invited there, so... Mm-hmm. You know, despite maybe a slower year last year, you know, he's caught enough attention of people up there to to earn a spot. And, you know, we'll be anxious to see what he does with his opportunity. Um, He's he's shown an ability to make big plays here, you know, particularly in 2022 uh, when we needed him. Um, You know, with some work, I'm pretty sure he can do the same thing up in Canada. Um, So it'll be... I think it would be a good opportunity for him, and I'd be anxious to see what he does with it.
0: Absolutely. And another guy making the best of his opportunity, uh, former Husky Jake Godoin. Uh, I had, for those who don't know, I had him on uh, the podcast a uh, year or so ago. It's been a little while, but excited to see him getting an opportunity to play in the IFL with the Massachusetts Pirates. Um, they open up their season March seventeenth at in at the Green Bay Blizzard. Their first home game is March twenty third versus the Jacksonville Sharks. Uh, those who don't know, the IFL is a eight man football. They play on a fifty yard field. It's just like arena football for those of who who remember who remember that uh, that league, which is also returning this this year. I might add, uh, but I'm excited for Jake because. A great opportunity for him obviously to continue his playing career. And uh there there is a local team here in Illinois, not too far from me, the Quad City Steam Steam Wheelers. I'm looking forward to going to see Jake play when they play against them. And uh just a like I said, a really good opportunity for him to keep playing at the next level.
1: Man, football's football.
0: Absolutely.
1: And you know, if you're one that try to continue to play and you know, you go through the experience of going to NFL camps and, you know, receiving feedback on what you got to work on. You know, sometimes it's just the very fact that you get repetitions in that helps you to improve your game. So, you know, kudos to, to Jake to continuing his opportunity. And you never know what will happen, you know, with, that, with those opportunities and where they will lead to. Um, all you can do is put his head down, play well, put some film down, and, you know, hopefully get a shot with the ufl or you know cfl and just work your way up i mean he's earned those opportunities in the past um no reason with a little bit of dedication a little bit more you know time to his craft that he can't possibly improve his position um i say go for it man
0: absolutely and another guy we haven't talked about this uh Really, but Brandon Boyer-Randall got a, I believe it was a futures contract with the Washington Commanders, I want to say. Um, just re- really cool to see all these uh, former Huskies getting the opportunities that they deserve at the next level. And Pete, I know you've done extensive research on um, players at UConn when it comes to the NFL and the NFL draft and the players that we've produced. We'll, I'll repost that discussion that we had before about that. It's one of the best, one of the best interviews I've ever done, personally, just because of how well done your research was and everything. Um, but also, I think in the future we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more too and talk about it some more. But you you say continuously, Pete, but UConn produces pro level players consistently and at an extremely high rate, and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's even more amazing when you think about the years of futility we had, Mm -hmm. you know, over the
1: last 11 years prior to more coming in, how many pros we still sent out. Uh, We've had roughly, like I keep saying, about from, you know, draft picks in the first one through three rounds, uh, we've produced more from 2009. To through 2022, seventy and then 75% of the Big 12, and about 60% more than the Big 12 teams um, in terms of total NFL draft picks. That's despite the losing seasons we had, and so in fact, a lot of teams had to catch up, like Cincinnati, and and some other and, and some other teams had to catch up to us um, because of the success we had in the past. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, productive careers over two years, we were, we were at a higher percentage than the basketball team was as, um, it's probably, the gaps probably closed because it was about only a 5% difference. Um, but, you know, again, given the fact that we had, um, those years of fertility, the transition in ADs, head coaches, and some presidents to still be able to produce those kinds of numbers for our prospects is uh, pretty impressive. So, you know, imagine what we can do when we have things, you know, established, uh, more established, and uh, more consistent with, with leadership like we're doing now. Uh, I can't wait to see what the effects are going to be in, in the near future.
0: Absolutely, like we've said before, the sky's the limit.
1: I mean, look look at what Moore is doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he's. We talked about how, in order to be successful, in modern college football, you have to have some kind of pro setup. What do we have now? We have a general manager. We have a director of player uh, personnel. We have, you know, all these different. Uh, I want to say, uh, administrative and managerial positions coming in that's going to really help in the operations of, of the team. And it's really going to help, you know, Coach Moore wear the many hats he has to uh, being a modern college football head coach. Um, he's not running from it mm-hmm. also. You know, you, you documented earlier, what, roughly 25% of the head coaches Almost uh, transition. Almost, yep. So, but he's not one of them. In fact, he's he's done what he said. He's a man of his word. He's actually fortified everything at UConn to make it operable. At least to attempt to make it operable in this new age. And I, I can't do nothing but compliment the guy, man, because it could be a situation that was very be, be very easy to run from and make excuses for. And he's not doing it. Um, and we hit a home run in hiring this guy. And so we just got to give him benefit of the doubt and the time to develop this program in, in very, very intensely fluid dynamic circumstances um, that have not been seen before in the sport.
0: Absolutely agree with that. That's spot on. <clears throat> um, shifting to a uh, uh, commitment that we got um, since the last time we were on another preferred walk on at the quarterback position, uh, jake triptree from sayville new york he 's 185, eighty five two year starter uh, for his high school there in sayville new york and uh, those two years through for three thousand seven hundred seventy one yards forty five touchdowns and nine interceptions twenty twenty two he was uh, his team was the long island class three champions and then uh twenty twenty three uh suffolk division three title game and then he was a first-team All-Stater uh, this past year in 2023, held offers from Long Island, Stonehill, Trinity College, Marist, and Lafayette, and then he had interest from UAlbany, Brown, New Hampshire, Dartmouth, Stony Brook, Columbia, Fordham, Penn, Villanova, and Holy Cross. Uh, another uh, successful Uh, Preferred walk-on at the quarterback position that we're adding here from the previous show. We we uh, were able to announce Caleb Smith uh, Same position. He was Connecticut player of the year and everything Um, So another really good addition to the position here
1: It seems that we're starting to get a model for what they're looking for in quarterbacks Um, having Looked at film of Cole Wellover um, you know, Caleb Smith and now Jake Triptree. They are all very similar in terms of what they do, how they play, and you know, the skill sets they have to offer an offense. This is another guy that seemed to look very good in terms of, you know, ball placement, you know, when to throw, um, you know where where to target what we call targeting his ball you know targeting is different from accuracy because you know targeting means you, you know you throw the ball on the spot where it needs to go yep. and he seems to be on point with every throw that he makes you know he can develop some, some more strength in his arm obviously the thing I liked about him that I didn't see with the other two is that he had some people in his face and he stood in the pocket through the ball through the ball with accuracy you know particularly over the middle and was throwing dimes, you know. Granted, it, it may have been lower competition, but nonetheless, that's still, you know, when you're getting that kind of, you know, repetition, neurologic repetition like that with, you know, that kind of skill set, um, that's impressive to me, and that's something that could be worked on, um, and can be enhanced. You know, when you face higher competition, things move faster. You just gotta adjust the speed, but you know, that skill set. Has an actual capability to, to carry over very well uh, once you get adjusted to the new speed of uh, of things in the college level. So um, he he impressed me. Um, I can again see why he might be a preferred walk on just because of you know the level of competition he played. Um, but, but it'd be interesting to see you know what he does with his opportunity moving forward.
0: I, I absolutely agree. I, I, I saw those same qualities you were talking about with watching his film as well. And like, like you said, it, it was impressive to watch him stand in the pocket the way he was able to um, at, at the high school level, you, you tend not to see that very much. So I, I was impressed by that.
1: I, I mean, again, he did good. I mean, it's, you know, you got to see what he can do against better competition because you right. know, he's 6'1", 185. That's not a big guy, but he was one of the bigger players in his league, you know, and so, you know, that's always going to be a question when, you know, when someone's recruiting him. And, you know, I got to be honest when, you know, if anybody's listening out there, if you're wondering if your, your son's going to measure up and stuff, you just got to ask one simple question. is You know, if, if you're the coach and you're recruiting your son, would you be comfortable, you know, leaving – your, the fate of your job and feeding your family in the hands of the play of your son? It's a simple yes or no question. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he has all those capabilities, but, you know, at this level, does he have those those skill sets at the intensity to the point where a coach will feel that way? Um, probably not. Something that he has to develop, as with the, the other walk on. Mr. Smith, but I mean, they have the capability of doing. it. They wouldn't have invited, invited them both to camp if they didn't. <clears throat>
0: Absolutely, and again, to see another kid from the region coming to Connecticut—that's always—that's always a big deal.
1: Yes, and and it, and in scouting in such a way where they see that the potential to have that kind of skill set fit in the offense that they're trying to run. And, you know, having him fit the kind of wish list that they seem to have in terms of what type of quarterbacks they want on the roster moving forward. You know, kudos to the scouting department at UConn for identifying guys like him.
0: Absolutely. And we're we're going to talk about Probably the 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 favorite topic of of this show for for me. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts and and talk about this, Pete. But you're gonna trigger me right now. Aren't you? <laughs> yes, yes. But we we have uh, announced the schedule for Delaware We're playing home and away. We're gonna go to Delaware in 2025. They're gonna come to Connecticut in 2027. Pete, I know obviously you played against Delaware. Um, this this has to, of course, bring back some memories for you. But at, at the same time, it, it's cool to see the the regional aspect, again, of the schedules that we're putting together.
1: I think it's a great pickup for the schedule for the team. Um, it, you have to respect Delaware and give man respect to them because they are a traditionally championship, a traditional championship team. They were a dominant Division II program. They've moved up to one Double A, and it seems like at every stop that they they've had, they've been successful. Um, you know, I have a little, you know, little personal issues with what they told me uh, recruiting me out of high school. <laughs> so that's why there's such a visceral response with Delaware when I end up talking about them. Um, fortunately we beat them my very first year I believe and then lost every other game since and they have like a 20-7 to 7 advantage over us which I would, would hope everybody would be motivated to change when we when we face them and they're the type of team that likes to think, no joke, that they're on along the lines traditionally of Penn State and that everybody else is beneath them in the East so they're going to let UConn and all these these players know that they're beneath them, that they have arrived at Division One, and that everybody else need to bow down to them because of their pedigree and their championships. And I'm not lying about that attitude, especially with the fans. So this is not a game that I want my little brothers to take lightly. I hope we kick the you-know-what out of them when we face them twice and let them know and put them in their place. And uh, that's all I gotta say about that.
0: <laughs> so you're saying there's a budding rivalry potentially?
1: We gotta win. Yes. I, I, yes. I, and and you know I'm not gonna be nice about. It. I hope we like I said we need to win that <laughs> game. I don't know about any other UConn football alumni, but for me, we need to win that game. That's that's bottom line for me. And I'll just leave it at that goes more, you better win that game, damn it.
0: <laughs> if, if nothing else, Pete Callan wants the Yukon Huskies to defeat Delaware if, by all costs.
1: That'll be one of my happiest weekends if we do that and we go down there and, and, and beat them in their own place, yes.
0: Especially in their first year at the FBS level.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We just need to win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: they're an outstanding program, man. I mean, they are. You can't they take are. anything away from them. I mean, they were in the playoffs this past year. You know, gave Montana all they 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 could handle. Yeah. You know, on uh, the one double playoffs, they know how to you know build those teams. Four to five teams. The fans, you know, they love the, that team. They, they at the one double level and the Division two level, we're averaging twenty five thousand fans a game, selling out. So, you know. It's a great program. I think, yeah, if we can build a rivalry with them or not so much by you know just winning all the time, that would be great.
0: Right. <laughs> well, to end the show, I think we need to talk. I know this is a college football show, but I'm a former college basketball coach. We got to talk about the basketball team and how tremendous they played this past Saturday against number four Marquette who is one of the best teams in the country, one of the best coach teams in the country, one of the best defensive teams in the country. And we absolutely dismantled them. And it made it even, even funnier because I made a comment on Twitter X saying that UConn is the best team in the country and it's not even a debate. And there were of course some Purdue fans that had their uh, feathers ruffled with that. And I just had to laugh as Purdue lost today against lowly Ohio state, but I digress. But we have to at least mention that because, I mean, this, this men's team that UConn is putting on the floor right now, it, it is really, really hard to, to repeat as champions, and they still got a lot of work to do to do, to do that. But th- this is one of the one of the remarkable jobs I've seen from, from a coaching staff and, and the way that this roster is put together. Uh, this team is – there's not very many weaknesses. And the the other thing that coming from that Marquette game, UConn did not shoot well, and they still won by 28. This is a really, really good basketball team.
1: I love, love, love watching this team play. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell that the culture that they have oozes out in the way that they play. They are so together right now in the way that they play – in terms of sharing the ball in terms of how they play for one another, which is not a common thing you always see in a basketball team at this level. And, you know, I've been around the campus on, on past basketball teams. I can't say that, you know, some of the individuals have been my favorite people to root for. I can't say this at all about this team. I absolutely love watching it. Um, the, the personalities that may have rubbed people the wrong way in, in the past. It you know, to me, sometimes salted me to the point where it was hard to root for UConn basketball. I have no problem rooting for UConn basketball with this team, this coach, uh, these group of coaches, these players, they're a fun group to watch. I, I set my recorder every week to watch the games and sometimes on repeat because they're just so enjoyable to me. Um, and like you said, man, the way that they're putting things together culturally and, and the way that they, re- they recruit players, the players that fit the way they like to do things and the way they execute, it's, it's just great to watch. And I would say to any young UConn fan especially, you know, don't blink because this does not happen that often at this level. Right. <laughs> have this type of team playing the way they are. It's, it's a- great team to watch.
0: It is a special group, that is for sure. And I and I try and sit there. I, I watch basketball games a lot of times with my coaching hat on. I still can't take that off just cuz I did that for so long. Um and I just look at him like, "Man, how do you defend this team cuz they do so many things well and it's just, it it it's, just, it's remarkable. It really is." And uh again, I just felt like we needed to talk about that just for a couple minutes just because it it's pretty remarkable what they're doing. And hats off to them.
1: I mean, you beat the number four team in the country by 28 points. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I mean, and they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Because they know they haven't won a regular season title. They haven't won a Big East tournament title in a very long time. And I know that irks them. And so they have something to play for. And then, you know, if and when they accomplish those goals, they have the rest of the country wanting to play them, saying that it could beat them in the chase history. And it was funny to hear, I of to see that Purdue fan kind of challenge you and basically tell you to shut up. And I'm thinking, you no, know, we haven't lost a non-conference game in almost two seasons. <laughs> That's how special this group is. It's just, like I said, man, it's just special to watch, fun to watch. And you know, soak it up because you don't you don't find teams like this that often Absolutely. in college basketball.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> well, Pete, that's going to bring us to the end of the show tonight. As always, I love having you on. Appreciate you joining me every week. It's always a blast.
1: Yeah, it's been great. It's been great to talk about these topics. Um, look forward to seeing how uh, Coach Brock brings the system in and implements it with the, with the players and the pieces we have. And like I said, Coach Moore is doing a great job building for the present and the future, I think, as best as anyone can. And uh, let's continue to support him, support our guys, and look forward to seeing how our guys are going to do, you know, with that little salty taste in their mouth from last season and what they're going to do to step up. So, Gonna be a fun watch.
0: Absolutely, Pete. Let the listeners know where they can follow you.
1: You can follow me on X uh, or Twitter at p c a l i n three three. Once again, on X at p 33
0: Absolutely, everybody, give Pete a follow, and then you can, of course, follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will, and the podcast account at TNT College Foot One. As always, please uh, like, subscribe where you're listening to the show on Spotify. I leave a five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. It helps get the show out to more people. And as always, Pete and I appreciate being able to uh, come out here every week talking UConn football. It's a blast. We love doing it. Uh, as always, go blue. Uh, go UConn. Men's basketball, keep it rolling. Everybody have a good night. God
1: bless. God bless. Go Huskies.